Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. What are the essentials of life and what that would look like? Depending on who you ask, it may be different. But for us as Christ followers, as believers, so kind of set that up last week. This week, I want to talk about prayer. Now, before you start uh, toning out or tuning out from what I'm going to say, because some of you are like, man, uh, message on prayer. Yeah, you're right. This message could be really boring unless you go home and apply what I'm getting ready to teach you. Because if you apply it, I promise it won't be boring. I promise it can change your life. I really do. Because I know it changes mine daily. But here's a thought, here's a thought. How many of y'all would agree on some level you're a little bit concerned with the state of our nation? Anybody in the house just a little bit concerned with the state of our nation? Okay, but here's a question, here's a question. How would our nation look if every believer prayed like you prayed? Like if your standard of prayer was the standard of everybody in prayer, if all the believers prayed the same way that you pray, how would our nation look then? I think you could apply that to a lot of different things. Because I know if it were me, look, I love to pray. I, I, I probably, I'm not an intercessor. I don't pray as much as like people on our prayer team and that type of thing, but, but I, I pray a lot. But I also know there are seasons when I don't as much. And I think about that. I think about that in relation to you. What if everybody in our church prayed like I pray as the pastor? How healthy is it gonna be? So I think it's something to consider. A couple weeks ago, I posted that our, our family lost our pet, Holly, our little dog. Got hit by a car. And here's the thing, like, I don't think it's wise to post everything that happens in your life on social media. Uh, but every once in a while, you know, it, it does help to get some support. It helps to get people thinking and praying about something that's going on in your life. And so I'd say be wise, but I decided, hey, I, we got some friends, we got some people, and, and my family's hurting. My kids are hurting. I'm hurting. I like that little dog. And so I posted, you know, just that we lost her. And, and I will say that, you know, the notifications started coming in. Now, I don't have mine, like my phone doesn't ding every time I get a notification on social media. But every once in a while, I would just, I would go and I'd see the little notification bubble. And, and it was like every time one of those came in, I felt encouraged. It was like it's one more person that, that they're least aware, but so many people saying, praying for you guys, thinking about you, praying for you. That was encouraging. But here's the question. How many notifications is heaven getting from you that you're praying? Like, if, if heaven was looking at your prayer life in, in a notification bubble of how many times you're seeking the Lord, having conversation with him throughout the day, dialogue, how many notifications is heaven getting? Not just for your life, but for people around you, just on a daily basis. And is it throughout the day? 
I will say this. I haven't recently caught myself thinking or even praying anything like this. Thank you, Lord, for the direction our country is headed. I'm just loaded with confidence about how things are going right now. Like, I haven't, I haven't really felt that lately. I have felt, Lord, I think it's time for me and my family to go off grid. Like, I think it may be time to go ahead and find a compound somewhere and, you know, me and a few close friends just kind of hunker down and, you know, our, our kids will, you know, milk the cows and make our butter and, and Cody will make our clothes. And, and it, I think this is just what we need to do. <laughs> uh, but here's the reality. The reality is it's not off grid that we need. What we need is Christians in the grind of prayer right now. That's the need. There are too many Christians saying, man, we just need to isolate. We just get over and do our own thing and protect ourselves. And that's not, I don't think, what the Spirit of God is asking the body of Christ to do. I think the, the Spirit of God is asking the body of Christ, no, it's, it's not time to shrink back. It's time to step up and step in. Get in the trenches in prayer. Fight in prayer. Second Chronicles 15, too, it says this, listen, all you people, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he'll abandon you. For a long time, Israel had been without the true God. So even his people, his, his nation spent seasons, even hundreds of years, not focused on him, not turning their attention towards him, and without God's law. So without Focusing on him, but with also, also without holding the standard that they knew he had given them. Just living however they wanted to live. But in their distress, anybody feel any distress lately at all about your world, about your life, about our nation, any at all? It says, but if in their distress, they turned to the Lord and sought him and he was found by them. I don't think we can go after God like any other time in the past. These are new days. These are different days. And I will say with full confidence, you do not need to be afraid of these days. But we all should be afraid of these days without God. We need Him. So we need to engage with Him. Prayer is just that. It's conversation with God. It's coming to Him about anything and everything prayer. We know that the word says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against his church, and it won't. He can't. But the gates of hell can prevail against you. If you're isolated, if you're not engaged in prayer, if you're not seeking his face, it can prevail against you. Prayer is the only way really to deal with these times. I'm just gonna encourage you, challenge you and exhort you with that. Your sense of justice, your ability to articulate a post, your knowledge of health, science, anything like that, that's not where you need to go first. You need to go in prayer first. That's how these days are gonna be dealt with. I feel like the enemy is trying to lull Christians to sleep. 
to kind of just slowly but surely get people disengaged and Christians. And I think that prayer is one of the major things that brings us out of the stupors that the enemy tries to get us in. How many of y'all remember back in the day when somebody playing sports getting a concussion was not a big deal? How many of y'all remember that? Like, <laughs> like, it happened all the time. People get knocked out and stuff. And I remember the, the concussion protocol of the day is, how many fingers am I holding up? Like, that was it. Like, if you could guess that right, you're good to go. Put them back in, right? Or if you got knocked out really bad, they come out with smelling salts or ammonia. Remember that? Like, just they just need a little, little, wake them up a little bit. Wake them up a little bit. He'll be fine. They're fine. Rub some dirt on it. I feel like we need some smelling salts right now. The body of Christ, the church. This verse, I think, should be some smelling salts for us because I feel like there's a chance that we're teetering on this. And Ezekiel 22, 30 says this, I, this is God speaking, looked in vain for anyone who would build again the wall of righteousness that guards the land. Who could stand in the gap? But I found not one. And I think it's our role to stand in the gap for our nation. It's our role to stand in the gap for our community and our city. And we do it with prayer. Ian Bound said it this way. I love this. The devil laughs at our trimes, scoffs at our efforts, but shudders in the presence of a man or woman on their face before God. There's power there. So I think most of us would say that we believe in the power of prayer. Nobody would probably disagree with that, but I think we'd also, if we were honest, also admit that we probably don't pray enough. So what are some of the things, the reasons we drop our prayer life? We aren't consistent in it. First of all, I think we get distracted. We are distracted. We've all been here. Like, I'm a pastor. This has happened to me. We'll start off pretty good. God, you're my God, and I thank you. I love you. Thank you for providing Thank you for, for providing food for my family. Oh, food, I need to make sure I remember to get my Walmart order in. So for my pickup, oh man, I hate going to Walmart pickup. Maybe I'll try Kroger. Oh, but Kroger doesn't always have all the same items that Walmart has. I hate it when they substitute, but then they put you on the spot because they're like, I got this substitute for that thing that you really wanted, but you feel bad for the person that's out there. So you're like, okay, I'll take the substitute. Even really, even though you're like, no, I don't want that. I want what I ordered or I wouldn't have ordered it. What was I doing? It happens. It happens quick. We all get distracted. Squirrels happen. Squirrels happen, but we cannot take our eyes off of God. We have to come back to him. We can all be a little ADD. All of us can be. A lot of us, when we're just thinking about God, a lot of times it's our phone. Bzz. What's going on over there? And we get distracted. The average person in the U.S. spends over two hours a day on social media, three hours watching TV. The average adult checks their phone at least 58 times a day. Some of you are doing it right now, and I can see you. <laughs> I see a lot from up here. I just want to let you know that right now. Like some of y'all, you're like, you can covertly pick your nose to where your neighbor doesn't notice, but I see. 
Some of y'all digging for some gold out there. I'm like, Kleenex? That's gross. Time on phone or mobile device, over 3.5 hours a day for adults, 5.1 hours for adolescents. How many of y'all know this can be a problem? A little distracting. It's funny, during the first service, our nine o'clock service, right in the middle of worship every week, and it's because I haven't turned it off because I keep forgetting to turn it off, I get a notification about my screen time for the week. So this, there's this, this ironic dichotomy of both conviction and condemnation in that moment, right? Because I'm worshiping, so I should be focused on worshiping. But my watch buzzes, so I'm like, maybe it's important. So I'll look, and it's my Apple devices heaving condemnation on me. They're like, your screen time was up 45% this week, you loser. Get a life. Do you have any friends? So I'm feeling that, but I'm also feeling convicted at the same time because God's like, weren't you worshiping me? It's easy to get distracted. And I think that uh, we have to be very intentional about removing those distractions. Because here's what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that for most of us, the lack of prayer in our lives is not due to the lack of time, it's due to the abundance of distractions. Um, So I think if we remove some of those, we probably pray more. Number two, we're drained. It's another reason why we're drained. We're just tired, wore out. How many times, I know this happened to me, like you have to, you have to do like a pre-prayer before you pray. You have to do the pre-prayer where you say something like, God, please help me just stay awake while I'm praying to you. Like help me stay awake while I'm reading your word. Because we're living life without margin. We're living life without any wiggle room time to take a breath and slow down. And we love the Lord, but man, when you're, you're trying to add the Lord to an already full stomach and full schedule and full everything, I think you're gonna be tired, exhausted, and it's gonna be difficult for you to desire to be in that place. Too many times I feel like prayer happens because we have a spiritual need, not because we have a spiritual desire. In other words, we're looking for a spiritual solution to a problem that's happening in our lives, and that's the reason why we're praying. Not because, man, I just love the Lord and I can't wait to be in his presence. I can't wait to spend some time talking to him and then learning how his voice sounds what he wants to say, what he wants to reveal through his word. It's only out of an overflow of that kind of relationship that you're gonna have energy to do anything in life, honestly. I think the reason why so many people get back from vacation more exhausted than they were when they went on vacation is because they're looking at the vacation to be the solution to why they're so exhausted and wore out. But in reality, Their exhaustion wore out because they were created first and foremost for an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus. And because it's not happening in a healthy way in this this give and take relationship between us and God, 
we get exhausted. We're drained. We can also just get doubtful. We're doubtful. Like, I think if we all really believed that our prayers are, are truly heard, then we would get into prayer faster and more often if we just had that confidence. But, but I think a lot of times one thing leads to the other. It's like, well, I don't have a lot of consistency, and so I have doubt because you have a misunderstanding of the heart of God, and you think he's disappointed in you because you haven't been spending time praying and spending time with him which leads us to the last reason why our prayer drops off. We're distant. We are distant, not God. God's never distant, but we get distant. Like God, he's like in another galaxy somewhere, and I really just can't yell my prayers loud enough for him to hear. We get this mindset. And then when you finally do kind of get to that place where Maybe you do have a huge need or you're just like, man, I, I haven't prayed in a while. I want to pray. But because you feel like he's been so distant when you do come back to talk to him or pray, it's really awkward. Like you don't even know how to have a conversation with him. It reminds me of, of this scene in the movie Meet the Parents where the main character tries to pray and it's really clear he never prays because it's the most awkward moment. They said, will you pray? It's like at a meal. And he's like, oh, dear God, thank you for being such a good God, such an accommodating God. Thank you for the smorgasbord that you so aptly have laid at the table before us today, this day, and every day. Day by day by day. These things we pray to love thee more dearly, see thee more clearly. Day by day by day, amen. And even that was awkward. We drop off in prayer because we, we feel like, man, if I haven't done this in a while, if I haven't been doing what I should be doing, I'm gonna have to really have an articulate, well-defined, I'm gonna need to go read some old King James version of the Bible to figure out where to put all the these and thous if I'm gonna come back to talk to God. And it's awkward because we've been distant, not him. So the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? It's a pretty loaded question. Like I feel like if it were me, I'd be like, oh man, that's a, that's a whole sermon series but he answered it with the Lord's prayer. And it's the perfect formula. It's the perfect method. It's the perfect breakdown, honestly, of all the categories that honestly each one of us could pray through every day. So let's look at one account of it in Matthew chapter six, verse nine. It says, in this manner, or another way to say it is method, in this method, like not that it's the only method, but this is a method, therefore pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I think there's some lessons we can learn from the Lord's Prayer. Let's jump into it. First of all, the Father's heart in prayer. 
the Father's heart in prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This is so important because so many of us, the reason why we struggle in prayer is because we really don't see where we stand in relation to God. We don't see that he sees us as his kids. He loves us as his kids. He accepts us as his kids. That in remembering the cross and remembering what Jesus did, that because of him, we can call him father. He's our father. He is a father and he's holy. And the fact that he's a good father who is also holy is so humbling and creates so much gratitude because we don't deserve it. But he sees us as his kids. In Romans 8, 15, I love how this breaks it down. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. You see, if you don't understand how God sees you, you'll think that he's just lording over you instead of being invited as the Lord in your life. He'll think he's this cruel master that's mad at you really quick when you mess stuff up. But that's not the spirit that we've been given. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopts you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. In the original language, this is the most intimate and relational term given for God. The most personal, Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Man. See, slaves say things like master, a son says father. A slave honors out of fear and obligation, but a son or daughter out of respect. We're not distant cousins that he's annoyed with. We're his kids. And maybe you didn't have a great dad. Maybe you don't have a great dad. And I'm sorry for that. Maybe your dad was unpredictable, erratic, maybe angry, violent, maybe they were a drunk. But God the Father is nothing like that. He's a good, good father. And he's never had a bad day. He's never had a bad day. He's never woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And when you were the first person he saw, he's just annoyed and put off by you. It's never happened. It's never happened. There's never been a time that your heavenly father wasn't overjoyed and excited just to be with you. Excited to be with you. The father's heart in prayer. Second Timothy says, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he can dis not disown himself. Another way to say this is because God exchanged Jesus for you, that is the value that he set for you. And he won't make himself a liar. So he wouldn't say, well, they're worth me exchanging my only son for. And then in the same breath, reject you and be angry at you when you mess up. He won't disown himself. 
Another reason or another thing that we can learn from the Lord's Prayer, the big picture. There's a big picture of prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This could be a little bit redundant. It could appear that way to say your kingdom come and thy will be done. It's really the same thing because the kingdom of God is wherever God's will is being done. And wherever God's will is done, the kingdom's gonna happen there. It's gonna take place. So if God's will is being done in your family, in your relationships, in your marriage, your church, work, nation, our state, then his kingdom, the kingdom of God will be there and vice versa. Prayer reminds us of God's perspective, that he has divine plans. And the higher that you can get above just seeing everything in the grind of your everyday and seeing everything from a natural perspective and seeing everything through the lenses of all the different distractions that we have around us, the more that you can get above that, the clearer you're gonna be able to see not everything that he's doing, but remember he is always working for my good. Every time, no matter what, he's working for my good. Isaiah 55, eight says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And prayer is one of the things that gives you some elevation in your life so that you don't get distracted and wrapped up in the temporary. God is saying, you need me. We're crying out loud. You need me because you're not always going to see it clearly. Jesus faced a time when he had to pray like this, Lord, if it's possible, remove this cup from me. In other words, remove the whole cross thing from me. But not my will, your will. I wanna have your perspective, your view of what's getting ready to happen or what I'm going through. Another thing we can learn in the Lord's Prayer, the daily need of prayer. The daily need, give us this day our daily bread. How many of you love some bread in the house, anybody? Come on now. Jesus loves some carbs too. One thing I've learned as a pastor is sheep bite. And it won't kill you, but it hurts. And what I mean by that is people can be pretty critical. People can be critical of, of pastors, of churches, uh, and the top probably three, I mean, it ebbs and flows in different seasons. They'll be critical about different things depending on the season. But there's a few consistent. Uh, one of the things that people will get mad or, or, or be critical about is that we just don't love the lost enough. We're not, we don't love the lost enough. We need to be doing more to show that we love the lost. Okay, so that would be one criticism. Uh, another criticism would be we just don't love the Holy Spirit enough. You need to love the Holy Spirit enough to where there's more gifts being demonstrated and, and, and there's not as much of a schedule with services. Uh, and then a third major criticism is you guys just don't teach the word enough. And what they mean by that is deep teaching. We want deep teaching. And as far as I can tell, 
in the word. My role is to teach you to feed yourself. If you create a dependency on church to get filled up, Monday's coming. And so's Tuesday. And so's Wednesday. And if every week all you're getting is the meal that you're getting, being fed here at church, you are gonna be starving by the middle of the week. And so we're trying our best to disciple people to self-feed. But you need that and you're gonna need it daily. Remember what God did with the Israelites. He brought manna from heaven, right? So he provided it, but they had to go and gather it. They had to go gather it. They had to feed themselves and they had to do it every day. They couldn't get more than they needed because it would be rotten by the morning and then they would be hungry again. They had to go and get their daily manna every day. The next day it's gonna start again. And this is what we have to understand too. Give us today our daily bread. I need a dependency on you every day. Not just when my days are good and not just when my days are bad. It's the in-between times that I need you just as much. So help me to seek you every day. It's kind of like different relationships, okay? Any of you gentlemen that are married, your wife, you can have a great day. You can be loving and kind and help with the chores and do all the things that you, that she would ever ask you to do. But guess what? The next day, you start all over, big boy. And you may have had a good day yesterday, but their love tank is empty the next day. And you gotta start filling it back up. Well, we have that same need. All of us have that same need to get his, our daily bread. Okay, so this is talking about two things. This is talking about the provision of the Lord, like how he takes care of you, feeds you, okay, physically. But it's also talking about the word. You need both. You need to understand his provision, but you also need to pray for his revelation. You gotta have both of those things. So give us today both what we need. You're gonna take care of us. We trust you for that. But we also need revelation of who you are every day. The Bible says to be a hearer and a doer of the word. So if you only just eat spiritually, let's say, but you never exercise what you've been receiving, then what you've learned actually just makes you spiritually obese. And basically that's gonna make you sick for lack of application and movement with the revelation that he's given you. Another way to say this is, if you haven't been faithful with what God has already given you, why do you think that he's gonna trust you with even more? If you haven't been obedient with the daily bread that he's already given you, why do you think he's gonna give you even more? Be faithful with the daily bread. Also, the Lord's Prayer helps us with the repentance of prayer. Repentance of prayer. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That word as is really important. I think it's important that we ask God to forgive us, but I think it's also important that we forgive and release others. Okay, so I, I don't think, I think this Sunday is the first time I've ever communicated this on a Sunday during a sermon, but I wanna give you something. This is a great takeaway. 
I would encourage every person in this place sooner than later to go and get some paper. And I want you to sit down and I want you to first start by praying and asking the Holy Spirit to come and give you some revelation. And what, I, what you're asking him to reveal to you is you're asking him to reveal every person that has ever hurt you in your entire life. Ask him to bring to mind every name and I want you to start writing those names down. And as you write their name down, I want you to also write down what they did to hurt you. And I don't care how long ago it was. It may have been in kindergarten. And you may not remember their whole name, but you're like, there's that kid in kindergarten. Just write down kid in kindergarten and write down what they did. They called me that name. It hurt my feelings. It hurt me. And I want you to go through and I want you to make a list of every single person that's ever hurt you. Some of you are like, that's gonna be like 10 pages. Keep going. Keep writing it down. Get it all down. And once you've done, you're done making the list, you're gonna go back to the beginning of the list and you're just gonna pray this simple prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I forgive and release. Then you're gonna say their name and then you're gonna say for however they hurt you. And then Father God, I also forgive and release so-and-so for this. And I forgive and release so-and-so for this. Why? Because the enemy is leveraging the hurts and the fences of your past to keep you moving forward from what God has for you next. And one of the things that I hear and see over and over and over again, I will meet godly people that say, Pastor James, I just don't get it. I feel like I'm doing everything I can to have a strong relationship with the Lord, but I feel like my prayers and my life, my, my devotional life is hitting a ceiling and I can't move any forward, move forward. I'll ask him, is there anybody you haven't forgiven? Is there anyone you haven't walked out forgiveness with? And before you know it, that's exactly the issue. Why? Because of the as in that, that verse. Because of that, that, that right there. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You see, there's an issue that if you have not been able to forgive and release and give grace to other people, for some of the most atrocious offenses, and I'm not meaning to downplay your hurt and the things that have happened to your past, but if you have not received or have not, are not giving the grace that they need for that, you're gonna have a difficult time walking out your personal relationship with Jesus who's given you that grace and forgiveness. So this has gotta be something that's flowing in you and then out of you. I receive so much grace and forgiveness. And because of that, I'm gonna give it. And it's important that you do this out loud. Why? Because as far as I can tell, the enemy cannot read your thoughts. He introduces thoughts and tries to influence your actions through those thoughts. You need to tell him. You need to tell him that you are choosing. It may not be something you feel. This is faith. But you're gonna tell him. I'm choosing to forgive and release every one of these people for all these things that he did because I'm not gonna let you continue to throw the past in my face so that I don't get to move forward into what God has for me. I'm gonna forgive and release those people. And this is what I encourage you to do. You keep working through that list until who they are and what they did doesn't affect your faith anymore. It's a memory, but it's a testimony, not a sad story. It's a testimony, but God, yeah, they did that. You know what? It doesn't have to keep hurting me. It doesn't have to keep affecting me. That's for free. I'll throw that in for you guys today.
Sorry, that's probably a bad joke. The repentance of prayer. So here's the deal. If you have a genuine relationship with the Lord, sin may not damage your position with God, but your sin will damage your relationship with him because it'll affect your ability to have confidence to approach him. It'll get your mind in a bad place. Not just your sin though, but also how you handle the sin of other people. Both those things. They don't affect your position with God, but they'll affect your daily relationship with him. Okay, also the protection of prayer. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. And we need to pray protection from the enemy. Sometimes the enemy is busy and he's messing stuff up. And we need to pray protection over our families. We need to pray protection over our businesses. We need to pray protection over our kids when they're going to work, over our marriages, our nation. We need to remember though who the real enemy is. There are so many people just fighting people. But the word says, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay, so spiritual warfare could be a long series too. I wanna just give you the basics. Because of what Jesus did, because we are heirs and have the same spirit, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells inside of us because of that, we have the same authority over the enemy that Jesus has. We have that authority through Jesus. And so often the enemy is just eating your lunch. And the thing is, you're just trying to wrestle with it up here. But remember, he doesn't read your thoughts. So what you need to do is you need to speak it and then you need to do it. You need to speak it and then you need to do it. You need to find a verse that you're gonna stand on that declares the truth of who you are, who you belong to, and what authority you stand in. And you need to speak that, and then you need to do what you just spoke. If you just speak it, but then your actions don't line up with it, you, don't, you lose the authority. You won't be able to say, man, I thought I did that, but then I went right back to sinning. I went right back to those old habits. I went right back to those things. Well, yeah, of course it didn't work. The enemy will just laugh at that. It's like, well, you say one thing, but you do another. So you don't have real authority. But if you will speak it, and it's just this simple, it's just this simple. You just need to say the name of Jesus because at the name of Jesus, every knee bows, every tongue will confess at the name of Jesus. Above and beneath, every spiritual force has to bow at that. And you just let the enemy know, no, <laughs> this weapon that you formed against me will not prosper. In Jesus' name, leave me alone. Say it, and he'll do it. He has to. All right. Also, the eternal perspective in our prayer. Verse 14. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is just where we recognize and we're declaring God's praise, how big he is. And we thank him for eternity. He's sovereign. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. And we just praise him for that. Let's recognize that we need to think about eternity and how we live, how we interact with people. Real quick, this church was not established or founded on a cool worship band, although we have a pretty good worship band. 
It wasn't established or founded by creative marketing or by buildings. Our church was founded in prayer. It's founded in prayer. And the reason why we spend this time every year is we want to make sure if we're going to have, if, if Jesus is not, if he doesn't come back, if he's going to give us another year, it's going to be founded in him. It's going to be founded in prayer. It's going to be dedicated in him. Amen. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. You may be here today. And when I was talking about the idea of God being a good father, a good dad, the concept and the idea that you are truly his kid. And maybe you've never truly felt that. You've never understood that or you've never accepted it. You've, you have the ideas, the knowledge of what it means to be Christian, but to you, it's really more about religion than it's about relationship. Like you come to church, you do the church thing, and maybe that's been you your whole life. Maybe decades, you've gone through the motions. You've done all the things that you feel like you should do as a Christian. But the truth is you've never truly surrendered to him. You've never surrendered to him. You've never given your life to him. You've never said, I want you to have control. And because you haven't done that, you've never really felt that he is that good father, although that has always been his heart for you. His heart has always been, man, I just wish they knew how much I love them, that I accept them. I got a plan and a purpose for them. And so maybe you did that before, but you, you've been in a long season or even a short season where you've been away from, you've drifted and you don't feel any confidence about how you stand in relation to a good, good father. Or maybe you've just never surrendered to him. You've never said, I, I, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize my sin separates me from a holy God and I need a savior. Maybe you've never believed that Jesus is the answer. And if you're in either one of those places, I just wanna give you an opportunity right now to encounter him, to encounter a real, genuine, loving, heavenly father and find forgiveness, find redemption, find freedom. If you're here and you know you need him, you're away from him, I'd love to pray with you. And I'm just gonna ask everybody just Let's this be between them and God. But if that's you, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. I want you just to put your hand up right now across this room. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I'm not gonna try to embarrass you. You're just admitting, it's me. Yes, man, you want us. I'm away from Jesus and I need it. I need a relationship with God. I have no confidence about my eternity in heaven. I, I, just, I need it. I'm ready to call on you. You want us? Okay, yes, sir. Anyone else? I'm ready to surrender my life to him. Okay. Father God, I thank you so much for those couple of hands. I know them raising their hand is not what gets them saved, but that's, it's them just physically saying, this is where my heart's at. So thank you, God, that you're here to meet with them. And if you raise your hand, or maybe you didn't, but you know you need to, you need to, Come to him. You need to commit your life to him. Just say a, a prayer, something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe that you paid the price for my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you rose from the grave 
And when you did, you defeated my sin. You defeated death itself. And I know that because you rose from the grave, I have the hope of heaven and eternity, but I don't want to just wait on heaven. I wanna live my purpose in you now. But I know that the only way that's gonna happen is I can't be in control. I've gotta surrender. And so I do, I surrender to you and I repent. I turn away from how I've been living or living the way the world wants me to live. I wanna live according to you, your plan, your purpose, your word. Help me to do that by the, the conviction, the power, the guidance of your spirit, the standard of your word, by the strength and encouragement of the body of Christ. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. Thank you for accepting me and loving me and helping me become the person that you've called me and created me to be. To you be the glory forever and ever. Father God, I thank you for those couple of people that's made that decision and said that prayer. I would encourage you, if you made that decision, be bold about your faith. Tell somebody that you committed your life to Jesus. I'd encourage you to go public with that decision through water baptism. We got an opportunity this, this next week. Father, thank you for them. Thank you for this opportunity that we have going into this week to spend some time focusing on you. I pray that you would meet with us. We wanna encounter you in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.